Welcome back, everyone. Hi, I'm Gabriela. I'm Leticia. And I'm Esmirna. And just a quick reminder again that this is not a substitution or replacement for therapy. And because you're listening to our podcast does not mean we have a therapeutic relationship. Uh, once again, I, I want to welcome you and challenge you to open up your minds and your hearts so that we can welcome a special guest today that is uh, tuning in all the way from Canada. <laughs> So thank you so much, Miss Kara Lee Burke. Um, please, um, ladies, help me uh, welcome her. Yes. <laughs> yes, thanks for joining us today and, and kind of doing a part two of our mother wound and how it affects our bodies uh, with the trauma. And so we're really happy and excited to have you. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank thank you. you for having me here with you. Yes. Thank you, Kara, for being, we are definitely honored for, you know, just your knowledge and you know, the things that we definitely um, need to learn a little bit more of for our own healing. And I know that the work that you've been putting um, forth has, you know, going to be a blessing for all of us tonight. So thank you. Yes. Thank you so much, Kara. Um, so Kara, tell us a little bit about, um, about yourself, like where you started and kind of where you are today. Oh, my goodness. So um, I started my journey into being a trauma coach from my own experiences with trauma. And I didn't understand that I was traumatized for probably most of my life uh, up until a few years ago. Um, I, I have gone through, I've cycled through numerous violent and abusive relationships, very threatening um, sexually, physically, mentally, emotionally abusive romantic relationships. And, um, and I always thought that there was something wrong with me. I, and I had no idea. I didn't understand why, why am I attracting these types of people? I even worked for, uh, extremely, um, abusive narcissistic bosses. And I was always in this like caregiver role and, and enabler role, um, and never really felt like I was myself or good enough, um, and I and I want I and I really wanted to understand why, and so I started delving into to possibilities, and I, I I became a yoga teacher and thought like this will help me heal, and you know that worked a little bit, and my you know being able to regulate my mind body and feel better just in my body, but there was something still missing, and then I went into Reiki. I became a Reiki master. And, you know, I, I really loved that, but I still felt like, oh, there's something missing. I went to therapy. Still, there was something missing. And when I finally worked with a trauma therapist after my ex, my, my daughter's father um, threatened to kill me and my family, and there was this bad episode and the cops came and arrested him and the, the police actually connected me with a trauma therapist. And then I started to realize, and she, she offered me resources. I read Dr. Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps the Score. And I was like, oh, like these light bulbs started going off. Oh my God, all this stuff. It makes sense. Trauma is at the core of all of this dysfunction in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and once I realized that, I was able to heal, work um, with a psycho-spiritual approach to healing trauma and then liberate myself from all that pain, from this constant cycle of 
attracting toxic and abusive people and abandoning myself and betraying myself and my needs um, because I thought that I had to do that in order to like earn love and respect and stuff. So learning about trauma and then interweaving it, interconnecting it with with my spiritual work that I've done in the past, with the yoga therapy, with under, my understanding of how the, you know, the, the body works. Um, I've, I've now created sort of a program and, um, and created a community for abuse survivors to help them, to help liberate other people and help bring this sort of awareness to the fact that trauma from childhood, trauma from the past, your painful past experiences affects you. And it's very, sub, it's, it's very unconscious. It's, it's deeply, it's rooted deep in your subconscious and you have no idea um, its full impacts until you become aware of what happened to you and its impact on how you show up um, in your life and your relationships today. So that's a bit about my story and how I came here today. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know. And, and, and people don't realize how trauma can be so debilitating to our, you know, just how, like you said, how we show up in life, how like it impacts our family systems and our bodies and, and, you know, it, 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 it's almost like we get trapped and stuck there. And so I think one of our previous episodes that we discussed was like the mother wound, right? Mm-hmm. And how we don't even realize that we have a mother wound, but then it starts manifesting, like you said, subconsciously in our adult relationships. So mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. Uh, so the mother wound is basically growing up in a home with a mother who has unhealed trauma from her mother wound. It's, mm-hmm. it's intergenerational mm-hmm. uh, and it, and it's largely um, impacted by the disempowerment of women. So when, because, because of the history of, of feminism of, of women in the world, we've, we sort of, um, We've been not sort of. We have very much so been, had our our power taken away, and because of that disempowerment and feeling like we're less than and feeling like we uh, we should make ourselves feel and look and act small or insignificant in order to survive and thrive in a man's in a in a masculine uh, a male dominated world. Uh, that we internalize those emotions we and and those feelings and 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 it makes us unconsciously very angry and mm. when you grow up with a mother who and this happens a lot in like very religious communities as well where women are made to be less than men um mm. that anger that resentment that um that being a caregiver to the men in your life and, and, and neglecting your needs and betraying yourself and abandoning your own needs, your daughters watch that because we learn from our exposure, our um, proximity to our caregivers. So we watch our mothers as they make the needs of the male figure in their home um, or in the in their lives more important they put their mm-hmm. needs aside um, mm-hmm. but they're also very angry and resentful about 
not getting their needs met. And they can then maybe lash out on you when you're a child, the way that they, they talk to you, the way that, you know, the way that girls are, are taught to be nice and to be quiet and to, um, to be, to serve the needs of the other people in the home and the family system. So it every, everybody will experience the mother wound differently. Um, but it can show up in your life as, um, like I said, just abandoning your own needs, not even knowing how to meet your own needs or how to ask for your needs to be met. Um, but then when you don't get your needs met, that sh will show up as anger and resentment uh, and, and an inner rage too. It also will show up as trying really hard to be perfect and struggling mm -hmm. with perfectionism. Mm -hmm. um, or on the flip side of that coin, procrastinating because you're so afraid of mm -hmm. not being perfect that you are mm -hmm. unable to show up and mm -hmm. um and work towards your goals or um or feel like when you're in a in a romantic relationship feel like you're not perfect and you're always kind of hiding yourself away and this could you know in sexual relationships you know you're afraid of being naked in front of somebody because you're really ashamed of 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 who you are inside in your core being um and uh, and it can also show up as this a co competition with other women, um, and a lot of times our mothers, because they've been taught that that women um, that women are less than, they're always it's like they're always competing for space in a room, mm -hmm. um, afraid to lean in. Like I love Sheryl Sandberg's work and her uh, community that she the lean in sort of community that she's created and talks about like teaching women how to raise their hands in meeting in meetings uh, at workplace in their workplace and sort of lean into the conversation and, and and take your take your power back but before you can take your power back you have to recognize that you you don't have it or you were taught that you weren't allowed to be powerful um so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that the mother wound might show up for different people. It depends on what the family system sort of looked like and everybody's trauma is unique and their um, affects are, are, are unique to them. Mm -hmm. But those are some general sort of um, general affects of how the mother wound might show up and but where it really comes from. It comes from the disempowerment of women that has been, that, that women have been facing for centuries. Wow. Yes. That's so interesting. And you know, I, you, you said that something about how it's very common in religious um, communities. And one of the things that I know that in like the, the Latinx culture, right. We were, you know, we were, we were colonized to be Catholic mm -hmm. so we're deep rooted into this Catholicism that the woman's, the woman serves the man. Mm -hmm. Well, and the women, women in Catholicism aren't even allowed to hold high, um, high-ranking offices or whatever. You, you you can't be a priest in the Catholic, in the Catholic traditions. Um, but I, you know what? That's funny. I read an interesting book. I can't remember the name of it, but it, it's an autobiography by a a, a nun a, a nun who left the nunhood or I don't know is it nunnery or the nunhood. Mm -hmm. um, 
and and she was there during the time that Mother Teresa was alive. And just her story about what happened in the back end and how the nuns yeah. and the women were treated. Um, and it was a it was an amazing autobiography. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but even even her her memories of Mother Teresa and how self-righteous Mother Teresa actually was and how she was doing. And uh, there was a lot of competition and that bred a lot of competition within their community um, and a lot of resentment and um, and like a silo effect. So a silo effect in like a workplace is where it's, it's a kind of like a bullying technique of mm gathering people around what like like how a narcissist works and um creates like a silo in the family home where they are the only where, where they make themselves the the important person where everyone goes to them in the family home um right but and that's sort of how she explained the environment in the nuns with the nuns um when, while mother Teresa was sort of the leader of them. I can't remember the name of her mission. Um, but yeah. yeah. It's okay. Well, we, you can always e email it to us later. That's okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> but that sounds interesting. And you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's so important to recognize that um, trauma isn't just something that is like traumatic like people think like oh it was a car accident oh it was like extreme abuse mm -hmm. right people always c consider it like well i wasn't abused and i don't really have trauma but trauma as we know it it can be anything that dysregulates or stresses your like your system right your nervous mm -hmm. system and it correlates so much with your nervous system mm -hmm. um so can, do you, can you give us a little background on that yeah. So when you grow up in a home where you have a wounded mother or a mom who is struggling with her own uh, trauma from childhood, her own mother wound, you you are you you become it, it causes attachment like an attachment trauma mm -hmm. and there's different kinds of attachment trauma. So there's the insecure or um Sorry, my brain is like, it's like 10 o'clock here. <laughs> my brain is shutting off. Um, oh my God, you guys, I'm so sorry. I, I, can't, I, I, I can't even think of it. Right I think now. there's a lot of codependency. Um, it could either go either way, right? Like kind of being codependent or being extremely detached or um, just kind of. Oh, that's, you, you just triggered my brain. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, there's the. The avoidant, the avoidant attachment. So that's mm -hmm. the detached. And then there's the anxious attachment style and the disorganized attachment style. And when I did the assessment, I came up with like my mine was the disorganized attachment. Mm -hmm. But these stem from different types of experiences with your primary caregiver, mostly your mother, because your mother is sort of the, the primary one when you're an infant, when you're born, um, who is there to nurture you. Her body is designed, biologically designed to be your soul nurturer. Mm -hmm. And she's the one. In, and, and there's even um, a, a part of um, psychology that is, is delving into the psychology of the of, of fetal development. Um, so, 
the avoidant attachment uh, trauma, avoidant attachment style develops when you have a mother or a primary caregivers who are um, who are very amb- ambivalent towards your emotions. Like they're, they're not really mm. there. Maybe they're un- emotionally unavailable or mm. literally, you know, working all the time and they're not in the home yeah. where a nanny is raising the child. Like that can happen as well. Um, or they just, they're very numb emotionally. They don't know how to connect with their own emotions. And so they don't know how to connect with their child's emotions. They don't know how to deal with that. And then, so right. somebody will grow up with that kind of a attachment wound, um, from a mother who was, you know, a little bit, who was, was distracted and distant, they'll grow up to be sort of like a lone wolf and, and struggle in relationships, in romantic relationships. And even with friendships, they, they feel uh, afraid of getting close to somebody because they don't know how, they don't have that imprint, that blueprint, the mapping of how to connect, how to love, how to show emotions and affection. The other one is anxious attachment, and that can stem from having a mother who having maybe at very unhealthy or no boundaries in the home where there was no privacy. Uh, it could stem from a parental figure, a primary caregiver or mother who has a lot of unhealed trauma and is very reactive one minute, and then the next minute might be very nurturing, but the child will never really know what to expect Mm. and they get very anxious when it comes to um, connections with other people they're always watching their mother to see what she's what her mood is like and Mm. kind of learn to fly under the radar or or change themselves in order to in order to get their needs met in order to get love they learn to um become like a chameleon and adapt to their surroundings and, and wear a mask. Mm -hmm. And then you lose, they lose, we lose our authentic, our authentic selves. We don't know who we are when we grow up in these homes with these parents who weren't able to attune to us, to connect with us and see us and validate us for who we are as, as individual, beautiful individual people, human, these little human beings. Um, We weren't respected. We weren't um, taught to honor our emotions or honor Mm. ourselves. We weren't taught or shown how to love, how to, um, how to connect and attune with other people. So in our relationships later in life, we, become very anxious and so like or or detached so an anxious attachment style when you grow up with a primary caregiver or a mother who's wounded and and is is sort of very up and down hot and cold you can feel very anxious in relationships it it might show up as you being very needy um Mm always worried about whether your partner is going to abandon you or leave you um fearful about when your parent your partner is away from you but when they're close to you you might feel really uncomfortable with the with the close connection um so you're always kind of on edge always stressed out um and trying really hard to be perfect trying to trying to earn love and respect instead of just know that you are worthy of it innately just by being you uh, and then the disorganized attachment is just a mix of the of the other two and and but the but the mood swings can be very volatile and that stems from having a a primary caregiver or caregivers who were 
um, maybe extremely volatile, who were um, uh, unpredictable. And it can, there could be a lot of yelling, um, blaming, shaming of the child, and, um, and even physical, emotional, narcissistic abuse of the child when they're little. And then as, as adults, um, it's just, it manifests as a mix of either avoidant or anxious attachment, um, extreme insecurity, um, fear of closeness, and even like an inner rage I found for me mm-hmm. um, and not knowing, not understanding where that came from or like a complete darkness, like just a, com- a complete shutting down. Uh, and in terms of your nervous system, your experiences in early childhood while your brain is developing, and this even starts when you're in utero, when your nervous system is developing, when your brain is developing, mm-hmm. um, the trauma that you experience limits your because your 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 brain switches on to survival mode and it inhibits your prefrontal cortex your cortex from 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 developing from learning how to process information from learning how to um self-regulate you don't you aren't able to regulate your emotions um or or your reactions to to life, and this is all—it's all neurobiological. This is like built into into it. It's built into your nervous system. It, um, what is it? It reduces your vagal tone, and mm-hmm. um, and actually prevents you from thinking logically. Um, mm-hmm. It just triggers you into that fight, flight, freeze, or even mm-hmm. fawn mode. Uh, and the longer you were in the traumatic, stressful experience, the more damaging it is to your nervous system long-term and your brain long-term. You can, with intention, conscious intention, change that with neuroplasticity, the understanding of neuroplasticity, but it takes mindfulness. You have to do it with intention. You have to be aware that you are reacting from a place of trauma um, that has shaped your nervous system to be very sensitive to to triggers mm-hmm. uh, and but you have to start to learn to recognize what mm-hmm. is triggering you why is it triggering triggering you in order for you to make the conscious intentional changes and shifts mindset shifts thinking shifts beliefs internal beliefs the the changes that you need to make in order to to slowly reshape and rewire your brain and um, desensitize I guess your nervous system to stress does that make you (laughs) yes yes no definitely I felt all of that just resonated so deeply um and just to be I mean honest and transparent because just as much as this space is for you know um our audience it's you know for us on here too so um but when you talked about um recognizing right and I think that for myself that's uh, fortunately, where I am in a gradual uh, learning um, that, yes, I am becoming more mindful, um, you know, being triggered, I, I recognize it, and and I start connecting it, or I'll have that, oh, my gosh, the aha moment, right? But now what am I doing with it, right? Because there's one thing, like you said, um, to have a recognition, but then also now to make that intentional shift or the change, um, and I guess that's where my, I'm 
trying like to understand like okay it has to be something almost radical um but because I'm still kind of processing now and understanding why I'm triggering so I feel like I'm I don't know, I'm beating myself up because I feel like I'm behind. Like I should have recognized some of these things before or, you know, that I was so blinded or, you know, I intentionally turned my cheek to some of these things because I didn't want to feel them out. But now that I'm in that stage of recognition and I want to make those changes, like what is something that you, you know, tell um, within your program or, you know, um, or in your coaching of how that could, how to approach it or, what's Mm -hmm. like a pathway for, for that. I love that you said, you know, radical shift, but I would say radical acceptance first. Mm. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Start by accepting and um, a spiritual teacher, Katie, uh, Byron Katie talks about this and her, Um, she calls it the work of healing, but uh, loving what is. So you Mm. have no control. You had no control as a child um, with the experiences that you had. Now, I love how earlier we talked about how people think of trauma. They think of like a brutal rape or they think of a violent car accident, but trauma, especially when it's long-term, um, really really does radically shift and shape our brains and molds it into into something that that prioritizes its own safety your body your mind body will do whatever it needs to do in order to keep itself safe if that means wearing a mask being something that you're not saying yes when you really want to say no um and all and for all those years all that conditioning for years decades and if you're in your mini like i'm 36 we're all in our mid 30s when you (laughs) you know when you have experienced and and shown up you basically trained your mind body to be this thing and and neglect yourself and avoid confrontation and conflict and Mm -hmm. and turn a blind eye to things but it's not only that like red flags is a lot of talk around like red flags not Mm recognize like feeling so much guilt and shame for not recognizing the red flags like how come I didn't see that what is wrong with me why do I why do I keep you know what because the red flags feel normal and they feel normal because it was normalized from the time you were an infant these types of relationships and so when you start to see these patterns and I guess the first thing you start to see is the pattern okay so one abusive relationship one issue that comes up that's you know that can be a coincidence that's whatever if it starts to happen um over and over and over again if it's a chronic problem in your life that's a pattern and when you can see the pattern and you start to re and that's why this a lot of people don't start to come to the healing to understand that they need to heal from something until they're in their 30s your brain doesn't fully develop a sense of uh, self-awareness and identity until you're in your early 20s let's say um but trauma from childhood also inhibits the brain from being able to be Mm self-aware so we have to have compassion for ourselves because our our brains are literally not able to be aware of ourselves of our internal worlds because of the trauma that we experienced so 
accepting of that, but just like that radical acceptance of, okay, this happened. That's how I grew up. That was my experience in my childhood. Is it my mom's fault? No, she was wounded. She had a mother who was also wounded. She, you know, had her own experiences that maybe you don't even know the whole story. Maybe she's not aware of the whole story. But that's why this trauma is is intergenerational. It it gets passed down. I believe that abuse and trauma, like trauma, we say that um, alcoholism or addiction is a is a family disease, but so is abuse. Right. And so is right. trauma. Um, and it's nobody's fault. So when we can look at this, what we experienced and who we are with love and compassion and radically accept that, okay, we experienced that. It is what it is. We can't change it. We had no control over it. All we have control over is how we show up today. We have no control right. over yesterday. We have no control over the future. All we have control over is how we show up in this moment and try to make different right. choices. Right. And so first kind of radically accepting the past and what is and what has become your life or your relationships or who you are right now. Then from this point, with this moment right now, make a choice. Who do I want to right. be? And then you have to make that choice. And I heard this, I don't know if it was in a movie or something, but like in terms of marriage, like when you get married or you're in a relationship, you make a choice to be there every single day. It's not that one day you got married. You wake up every day with the same person and you make a choice to show up and be with them and be connected um, through the good and the bad and the amazing and the awful. You make that choice, but you have to make that choice for yourself too. You have to make a choice to show up for yourself in this moment and every other moment that follows this moment in a different way or with compassion. So let's say you get triggered again and you react angrily and you you have like a rage fit, Um, recognizing that, okay, this is a pattern. This is a pattern that needs to be healed and have compassion. I forgive myself for reacting like that. And I'm going to, I'm going to put the intention in my mind and in my heart that I'm going to catch myself before I do that the next time. Um, And then as you just be, become aware of your reactions and the sensations in your body, because you feel the reactions Mm. in your body, Mm -hmm. in your cells before you actually emotionally react before you emote. So when you start to get really connected to your body, to your nervous system, essentially, when you can feel the physical sensations of the emotion, you're able to consciously shift or at least be aware. Okay. I feel this. I feel a clenching in my heart, in my belly. I Mm -hmm. feel my palms sweating. My heart's racing. I feel tension in my neck, in my back, wherever, you know, wherever it is. Right. Or I feel this, like for me, I I get this, I get this, especially when you, are any of you moms? Do any of you have kids yet? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> so, and becoming a mom is the, is, is so hard when you have trauma because you, you're tired <laughs> and then all of that trauma from your childhood gets brought up in this little being, this little version of you, mm-hmm. of your own life. And you are, can easily project your own anger from your own childhood, your own feelings, your own feeling of powerlessness um, onto this child. 
unintentionally and you right. we can be very reactive and angry and and I have a daughter and she's very sassy she is you know she's she's she, <laughs> I love she has she knows how to use her voice and I love it and I'm teaching her that's like a big part of our relationship and what I want her to to be able to do is to say no and and be herself and I and I want to have that intention in our relationship but she are really but being a single mom and having the experience of the trauma and the abuse with her dad and all that those stuff and my own childhood sexual abuse I can feel the triggers when I'm with her a lot and it's a great way to practice um feeling the triggers feeling the sensations in your body and then saying and then being aware of you don't have to okay let's go on a different tangent for a second you don't have to remember the trauma you don't have to go down the rabbit hole of oh why why is this happening what happened back then you don't have to go down that rabbit hole to remember all that stuff in order to heal the trauma and and change it's actually counterproductive I wouldn't even say that you really need to go down that road of talk of talking about it endlessly Mm -hmm. it's just this sense of feeling allowing your body your nervous system to feel those sensations Mm -hmm. because that's the trapped energy of the trauma sitting in your body Mm. dr peter levine um kind of like one of the founders of somatic experiencing or somatic Mm. healing trauma Mm -hmm. the what he talks about in his work is that when we are traumatized that that energy gets stuck inside of our bodies because our bodies are designed to react to um to threat by mostly movement so when we usually run like we fight Mm -hmm. or or flight like fight or flight Mm -hmm. our bodies are designed to exert it, it we we get this like rush of adrenaline and energy so that we can either run away or fight the threat Mm-hmm. But when we are traumatized, usually we're stuck in a threatening situation and are unable to do anything. And so that energy gets stored and stuck and built up in your body. And that's how it sort of really dysregulates your nervous system and causing it to be more sensitive to threat and more reactive. Uh, and so when when you are paying attention to your body, when you're feeling triggered and feeling those sensations, that sensation that you're feeling is that stored energy that's stuck in your body. So by bringing your awareness to it, where, where attention goes, energy flows. So when you bring your attention mm-hmm. into those areas of your body, you're able to, to kind of release it with intention. And when I did the Vipassana meditation course, when you learn to really connect subtly to the subtle energies and vibrations of your cells vibrating, of your the atoms vibrating in your body that like make up who you are, mm-hmm. um, you're able to channel it and direct it. So when you feel the stress take over, wherever it is for you, everybody's different, whether it's your chest or your abdomen or your back or your hips, um, feel the sensation in your body. And then if you can... As you get more in tune with your body, learn to channel it down towards your feet or mm-hmm. out of your, the palms of your hands. Or um, I think it's Pat, is it Pat, Pat Ogden? She it also does the somatic experiencing. Our bodies, when you move, like when you were first, when you first experienced the trauma and the threat, um, 
you were unable to, to move or do anything. You were um, powerless. And so the energy gets stored in your body. So what happens when we fear, when we face triggers that remind us of those painful past experiences, our bodies remember that and remember that it was unable to do anything. And if you get really attuned to your body when it's being triggered, you can feel the need, this feeling that it wants to move, it wants to run, it wants to move its arm, swat something away, um, kick its legs or whatever. Um, if you start to mimic the movement, even just slowly of mm. moving your arm to protect your face, like if you were slapped as a child, right, and you weren't able to mm. maybe maybe um, you weren't able to protect your face. And so you might feel in your body this urge to protect your face. And so make the movement, get in touch with your body, feel the sensations, and then move your, move your arm up to like, do whatever it wants to do, pay attention to it. And that will help to release that stored energy in your body mm. naturally. And then if you keep doing that over time, your body will learn to feel less threatened when it's triggered by those same um, associations right. that are triggering that right. painful past memory. Um, so there, I mean, but I would say, I guess the first thing is just awareness, right? Radical acceptance right. of what is, and then being aware and then having compassion and forgiveness for yourself. Um, right. I've had, I've heard a lot of other coaches talk about, you know, you don't need to forgive your abusers, or, you know, your parents for what they did or what happened uh, in order to heal. But forgiveness is a universal energy. Forgiveness is the energy of love. And when you, is, and usually I find that when people are struggling to forgive other people, they're actually struggling to forgive themselves for being a victim mm. and going through that and feeling a lot of shame and guilt around not being different, not standing up for themselves, um, allowing somebody to treat them a certain way. And then we project that anger and resentment and shame onto our, onto the abusers, onto our parents. We're so angry at them. Um, but when we start to forgive ourselves for how we were in that in that moment in our lives when we were maybe rebellious teenagers as a reaction to the disconnected relationship that we had with our parents. Um, when we forgive ourselves for making those quote mistakes, which are really just natural um, biological um, physiological reactions to trauma, when we forgive ourselves for being human and experiencing those things, we can let go of the energy and mm. the hate and the anger because those, right. those emotions, those are all energy and those energies are keeping you stuck in the past, reliving. You're essentially, and Dr. Joe Dispenza talks a lot about this, like you're just, your body has been programmed from the trauma to basically stay stuck in the state of threat, reliving the tra traumatic mm. experiences. You feel the same ways, you think the same things, um, you react the same ways. And so you stay, you stay in a state of stagnation, reliving. Essentially, your body is actually reliving that painful past experience over and over and over again. Every time you're triggered, every time you get up in the morning and you do the same routine, you do the same mm. thing, you think the same thoughts. Um, you are just re you're just, it's like a groundhog day <laughs> reliving mm, all of those things right. in the present moment. You're bringing that forward to the present moment. So 
radically accepting what is what happened, um, becoming aware of the sensations in your body, because the sensations are the key. That's where the trauma is stored. It's in your body and you're phys- and you physically feel the trauma, the reactions before you emotionally react to them. So if you can get in tune with your body and feel it, you're better able to control the emotions. And if you sit with those feelings, those emotions, those sensations in your body, they usually dissipate. Mm -hmm. Um, And the polyvagal theory talks us, um, teaches us like how to sort of become aware of the, of the threat energy, I guess Mm -hmm. your, your state of your nervous system in this present moment. And if you can wait out the, or ride, ride out the wave of Mm -hmm. emotion, then and 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 try intentionally consciously to to relax your body when you're feeling triggered then the energy also dissipates it leaves okay. your body through your hands usually through your hands through your feet maybe through the top of your head mm-hmm. um and dr peter levine talks about if you're feeling really threatened in your body when you become attuned to the sensations of the threat and where it's held in your body Move your attention, feel that, and then move your attention to a place in your body that feels good. So your hands are really easy because your hands don't hold a lot of trauma unless there's been some physical trauma. But the palms of your hands are your fingertips um, and your feet. And that's where the energy will flow out through the palms of your hands and, and your feet. So, if you, or, or areas where there's not a lot of nerve endings, so maybe like your nose like um, areas where there's a lot of cartilage, your ears, mm-hmm. bring your awareness to those areas. And that also helps to release the energy of trauma in your body in that moment um, and mm-hmm. neutralizes the threat. It kind of neutralizes the threat in your nervous system. Boy. So doing that really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's a whole series of, um, in in my Heal from the Wound Up program, it's an eight-week program, but the first four weeks are all learning how to self-regulate. And this is all a part of self-regulation. So this is in the moment threat um, resolution. Mm -hmm. But if you also focus on self-regulation, eating healthy, exercising, taking care of your mind, body, soul on uh, every day, little things every single day, that's also going to help you feel less threatened when you're triggered. Mm, right. Yes. And, and how, so when you become aware of your body sensations of, you know, what you're feeling, your triggers, all of that, how it feels in your body, um, how does, so how did, so this starts, I guess, the beginning of the healing process, but how does this help us attract like love and life that we really want. Mm-hmm. So everything is energy. Mm. Everything. Your body is energy. And right now you're vibrating at a certain energetic frequency. And you're, it's at a lower frequency because it's, it's being affected, impacted by the trauma. And it's like very fragmented energy. And we attract what we're an energetic match to. Mm. So when you aren't taking care of yourself and you're feeling threatened in relationships and and you're not self-aware, you're not able to be self-aware and you're not showing yourself love and compassion and, and really being grateful and, and, and loving and, and nurturing yourself in this, in this present moment, then what's going to show up in your life is 
the energetic match to how you're feeling on the inside. And that's most of the time very unconscious. So when you, the law of attraction works like you attract what you're, like I just said that, you attract what you're a vibrational match to. Right. So by healing mm-hmm. and focusing on yourself and loving yourself and, and letting go of the traumatic stress energy that's in your body from the past and making those tiny shifts to show up for yourself differently in this present moment and in every moment that comes from ne- from, from this point forward, uh, you're, sh- you're going to change your energy every single day with every single new choice that you make, with every single... Um, new thought and new emotion that you strive to to feel and think you are going to be shifting your whole body's energy energetic field and Mm -hmm. with that change you naturally start to attract the experiences and the people that you want in your life and it's all it's a very natural it's it, it the law of attraction says that this should be just a very natural process but when we have been traumatized, it's not always so easy. And we, and we mm. get tripped up by those old, that old conditioning when you meet somebody new yeah. and he, uh, and you don't recognize any of those red flags because they still kind of feel like home. Mm-hmm. That's where the, the practice that you start to implement on be, being self-aware, being attuned to your body, because your body is so smart. Your body will feel mm-hmm. and react to somebody negatively. And it might, you might consciously, your brain recognizes this person as normal, as this feels like home. This is normal mm-hmm. to me, but your body feels threatened. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times we ignore our bodies and mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we make decisions with our minds, but really our bodies, we should be paying attention to our bodies mm-hmm. to make choices. Right. When you can become attuned to your body, you can make better choices because you're using your body as a compass. We self-sabotage when we're hurt, right? Because it's like, it's all we've known that, you know, if we've gone through so much abuse, any type of abuse when you're, when you're a child, it's like you're self-sabotaging and you, you become very intuitive but you can't, you don't listen to your intuition. I mean, your body's telling you, right? But like you said, those red flags are there and, and it's, it's, it's all you know. So you, and I think things continue to come your way until you finally realize and you, you follow your intuition so that you're able to determine that, hey, this is not good for me. And I think it goes into the pattern of us not, not feeling safe, right? Because we really didn't feel safe as, uh, you know, when we were kids and, and we become kind of controlling in a sense where we want to control every aspect of our lives because we don't want to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and because, like I said, hurt is all we've known. So we kind of become like, a, like I said, we, we hide behind the mask and we can pretend that we're happy. We pretend that we're somebody else and we're really not. And so we're, we're kind of, um, we're just a very, we can become very controlling, like I said, because we want to control to not get hurt. And I think that's some of, uh, some of where, where I came, where I, you know, some of my patterns is I kind of having control because I want to control every situation because I don't want to get hurt, mm-hmm. but, you know? And so, but, you know, learn, kind of slowly learning to unravel and really listening to your body is what's really helped me. You know, it's like, I, like I said, I've, I've tried a lot of uh, holistic, you know, medicine. I've, I do a lot of meditation. I've done Reiki. I've done acupuncture. And 
all that has, you know, all that has helped me through, you know, a lot of the, the trauma that I had been holding in, you know, with for years, mm-hmm. uh, but you kind of have, it's a continuous, like you can't just, you know, once you feel a little better, you can't just stop. It, it has to be, it has to be continuous. You have to continue practicing and practicing. And I love listening to uh, Joe Dispenza and some of his meditations. I, I love him. He's, he's so great. <laughs> med- yeah, I agree. His meditations are amazing. They're so good. <laughs> Yeah, I listen to them once in a while. They're so great. It's just like, you know, that's like when you start talking, especially when you say the word aware, every, it takes you back to Joe Dispenza because he says that a lot, you know, you're becoming aware. <laughs> he says that a lot. So oh you were taking me back <laughs> to him. I volunteered at one of his weekend workshops. Mm-hmm. And this is something, this is one of the uh, the miracles of the universe. You know, like I, this was in the beginning of my journey. I was focusing on stress management and stuff. And, uh, and I had back then, this was like 10 years ago. And I had a very, not very good website. And I don't know how his team found me, but I had been working on, you know, meditating. I just gotten back from my second trip to India doing yoga therapy and, um, And I was working on like trying to do stress management coaching for workplaces and stuff. And, uh, and his team found me and, and offered me um, a, well, not really a job, but like a volunteer experience to help at his workshop, the whole weekend workshop for free. And, uh, and I had never heard of him before. Mm -hmm. Um, But there you see, like when you, when you start to, to follow the path of your soul and or listen to the heart like your heart where where is your heart guiding you what are you meant to be doing um when you start to follow your heart instead of your ego instead of the trauma um and let go of some other things and really amazing opportunities and things happen that are meant to happen for your um for your own spiritual evolution Mm -hmm. and sometimes those really bad relationships and those failed um failed opportunities and and things that come up that we're like why is it it, are things not working out for me there's a there's a hidden message there you're not seeing a pattern Mm -hmm. you're still making the same choices it's just showing up in a different way and that's why we don't necessarily see them we think that we're different. We think we think that we're thinking differently and making different choices and really healing. But there's there's layers upon layers upon mm-hmm. layers that mm-hmm. we need to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I will say this: when it comes to attracting a new partner um, and attracting the life and stuff that you want, there's a lot of manifestation techniques. And D- Dr. Joe Dispenza has his own. And I love his work because he's very science. He's like, I'm going to measure this. He measures mm-hmm. it in science. And I love it because yeah. it really <laughs> merges the spiritual and the, and the, and, and, and science, the science world. Mm-hmm. I love that. But the, basically what he talks about in his work is that when you visualize in the morning, you do his meditations, you do the breathing exercises, which are actually ancient um, Vedic meditation or breathing, the pranayama that I learned back when I did my first yoga teacher's training that he taught in his courses. I'm like, oh, this is like ancient stuff mm-hmm. that they're just repurposing. Right. Um, but the idea is to activate your pineal gland and change the energy within your body. But it's also changing the way that you it, that you think and feel about who you are in this moment and, and changing the way that you show up because your thoughts 
I call it like a, like a negative feedback loop. It all sort of is interconnected. Your beliefs become your thoughts, um, become your, you know, your, the, your choices and your actions and so on. And they sort of feed back into your, into your beliefs about who you are and what you're capable of in this life. When you start to Im- change little things in that loop, so you change your thoughts a little bit. Uh, and he has a great video I saw once, Dr. Joe Spenza, about like, just changing your thought about your mother-in-law, being intent, being conscious of like, oh, I like you go from, I hate my mother-in-law. I don't want to see her. She's so this, she's so that. And then change those thoughts with intention and have more compassion. Oh, you know, she's not so bad. And just try to forgive her and love her. And just little tiny shifts. Wake up in the morning and um, Mel Robbins talks, like her five second rule. Wake up in the morning, make your bed right away. Get up, make your bed. Um how you do one thing is how you do a lot of things, most things in your life. So when you start to make those little, little, little tiny adjustments in your day, in your life, then it feeds, it feeds into the, into the loop of, of your mind, body, soul, of your, of your beliefs, thoughts, um, feelings, actions. And, and it all starts to change over time. It takes some time, but, when you start your day with intention and visualizing how you want your day to go, your body, and this is what Dr. Joe Dispenza says, is your body will follow your mind mm-hmm. to those things that you are looking for. Everything that's ever been created in this world was, was an idea, was somebody's imagination creating something. Um, so with that awareness, you can you can essentially create whatever it is that you want just by visualizing it. Because when you visualize it to the point where it really feels real, then you start to take the action steps that you need to take in order to get there. When you make a list of your ideal partner, everything, how they, how they treat you, how they act, their relationship with their mother, have they done their healing? What's what, you know, kind of career, how do they, you know, what's their work ethic? All of these things, you make these lists of this is really what I want. You visualize it in your, in your mind every single morning when you wake up and when, and before you go to bed and then your body starts to naturally go towards the places that you might meet somebody like that. Your brain starts to, starts to filter data and look at people that you meet out there, the men that you meet, partners, potential partners that you meet, um, and it starts to sort of apply these filters that you've set out just by starting out making that list. Because the more you visualize it, the more it becomes true inside of you. Your brain doesn't know the difference between a visualization and reality, a, a lived experience. So just by visualizing it, it feels real. And as it starts to feel more real and feel more possible, you can start to see it out there. And you start to filter out the other stuff that you don't want and focus, Mm -hmm. laser focus on things that you do want. And that's what I I love Dr. Joe Dispenza's work because it's like it makes the spiritual stuff that's been around for centuries real Mm -hmm. and tangible, measurable. Um, Visualizations do have an impact on the way your brain um, functions Mm -hmm. and and thinks and, and, and feels about itself about yourself so yeah I mean when it comes to attracting that perfect partner or the life that you really want it's really about 
believing in the possibility that it's out there for you. And then you start to draw it towards you and filter out the things. And this is where all of that healing work comes in and getting attuned to your body, because then you become better at filtering, filtering out the stuff that you actually don't want, seeing the red flags, becoming aware of old patterns. And so you can easy, you can, you can easily make those intentional conscious choices to, of, um, of the things that you actually do want. Right. Yeah. I think that I, makes sense. I like, yeah, I think what came to mind for that is like, what is that you're doing? How is it serving you? You know, whether <laughs> it it's good or bad, or typically it's not a good thing. So, you know, like it's not serving you anymore. It doesn't have any more purpose. So, you know, I think that's something that's important to recognize when mm-hmm. it's because you're trying to make room for, you know, these great things, this partner, this, you know, um, career vocation. So if there's things that are no longer serving you and don't have a purpose, then um, along with that trauma work that you're doing, because it's like, okay, well, this trauma that I'm holding isn't serving me in order for me to achieve these things that I really, you know, desire. So I have to make that choice, like, you know, we reiterated, making that choice every day to then now, radically accept and then make those changes um, mm-hmm. to shift right and uh, Sarah Crouch is a ma- manifestation coach and she talks about um, the willingness so having a consistent connection with your higher self or with the universe or whatever you believe in but then having the willingness to show up mm-hmm. and do the work that's needed in order to get to the life that you want you know manifestation or attracting the right people it can be very passive just by healing your own energy and changing the the energetic frequency that you radiate into the world. But also by doing the work, whatever that is, in order to get to where you want to go. Um, also, as long as you know, you're honoring yourself, and you're not pushing yourself and look at your motivations. Like if you want success, you want to make more money, what what's your motivation behind it? What's driving that? And right. That's why I, I feel like a lot of spiritual coaches or mentors, guides don't talk a lot about the trauma. And for me and my own journey, I started out really, you know, wanting to manifest things and get deeper in my spiritual practice. But the tr- I kept, I guess, hit, bumping up against my own trauma and not understanding why I couldn't make things work. Like, why am I so unmotivated? Why do I keep collapsing under the pressure? Um why do I have these days where I, I, I can, I get so much momentum and then I hit a wall and I feel unworthy and I, I spend days in bed and I can't get out of bed. Why? Um, and that was really hard. And I think a lot of spiritual leaders out there are kind of like gaslighting everybody's, you know, telling them that all oh, this is possible without helping them understand that if it's not working for you, there's things that are going on inside of you, the trauma from, your painful past that's inhibiting you from going after your dreams. Mm -hmm. And you think that when you fail at something or when you get triggered by something and you collapse and fall into bed and binge watch Netflix for days on end, that there's something wrong with you and that maybe you're not meant to do that thing that you really are trying to do, but that's not it. It's the trauma that's telling you I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Mm -hmm. And, when you can start to have compassion and honor those feelings with intention, 
sit with them, feel them, allow them to process through in your mind body, then you're able to release them so that you can more consistently show up for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Wow. This is amazing. I'm so glad that you were able to come (laughs) on and share all of this knowledge with us. Um, And it's so important to to, uh, be able to talk about this because you know, we, we actually don't. And like, I like how you said that a lot of, you know, coaches do gaslight a lot of people that, you know, they, 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 they serve or help because yeah, I mean, they teach you how, oh, it's like almost like they only teach you half of the work, mm-hmm. you know, not a full, um, you know, um, I guess, um, program because everything is interconnected. I mean, there's science behind that, the, the manifestation, there is science behind it, right? That as humans, we have an, on average about what fifty thousand um, thoughts. So mm-hmm. count, you know, <laughs> make them count. And so it's so important to to be able to not only visualize it, but also, um, you know, feel it in your body. And I think that's why it's so also so important to be able to heal and become aware of your body sensations because it it's all connected. Yeah. 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 And, and I was going to ask you, so you, you have a program. How can people um, find you on, on social media or, or, or how can they do your program? Yeah. So um, on Facebook and Instagram, I'm at, at Coach Carolee Burke. And uh, my website is uh, caroleeburke.com, K-A-R-A-L-E-E-B-U-R-K-E. Dot com and I just op- I just created a warrior women activated club so it's a membership program um, mm. subscription program where I do weekly guided meditations and spiritual um, uh, spirit intuitive spiritual sort of coaching sessions live on zoom and it also has uh, my mindgasm healing um, healing meditation course in there and it's it's like it's kind of like this where i encourage there's a few different discussion rooms where i encourage people to support each other on their journeys through healing after abuse and stuff and and share and collaborate ideas and share experiences and stuff like that um and there's a bunch of resources in there so that's like an online subscription community um i kind of compare it to fight club without the violence (laughs) it's you know and i encourage people to talk about it um because it's it's, it's a way that we can empower ourselves after experiencing abuse and, and sort of stop feeling that shame for what we went through and kind of what you guys are doing. I want people to talk about it. Let's talk about the abuse. Let's share our experiences. Let's, let's walk each other through. And even if you're in the middle of it, like, how do you get custody of your kids? How do you walk away from somebody? How do you collect the evidence that you need in order to press charges? Like all those things. Like, I really want to create this safe space for survivors to help them build their lives and attract new partners and attract the life that they want, but also taking care of what happened in the past. Cause we still live in this world. We still need to, yeah. we still need to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that program. And then I have a, um, my, my one-on-one coaching is co- it program is heal from the wound up. And it's an eight week um, liberation program. The first four weeks is 
rest a restorative phase where we do all of the self-regulation, mind-body healing, trauma healing work, the somatic experiencing, learn about like the polyvagal theory and all that, getting attuned to your nervous system, retuning, fine-tuning your nervous system, starting to build new neural pathways. And then from there, I help people or my clients align with their soulful selves, their inner truth, who they were actually born to be before the trauma kind of derailed their, um, their mm. path in this life. So then I help people really get connected to that inner truth of who they are and who they want to be. And then the final phase of the program is learning to attract and just going through like manifestation tools, um, you know, quantum leaping, all that kind of stuff. So those are my two different programs that I have right now. And they're, you can just connect with me on either Instagram or Facebook. I'm there all the time. Or on my website, you can email me uh, or connect with me there. Awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that information. I'm sure a lot of us or a lot of people out there will be able to contact you or, or, or go through your program because it's very helpful. And I think, like, like you mentioned, I think uh, it's very important that people understand um, their bodies and, and, and it might they might not even realize that it's, that it's trauma that, that's been um, subconsciously coming up and, and manifesting in different ways and throughout life. And so um, I think, you know, a lot of us growing up, finally being in our 30s or going into our 40s, we finally understand what's happening we want to change that so thank you so much for that information yes oh you're welcome yeah. thank you thank you so much for having me on with you guys uh i know we didn't really get to the father wound but um uh I, we could always have you back time. again <laughs> <laughs> yes yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely yes because i think it's so important too because we have an episode where um all, all three of us kind of share um, a little bit about how we had experiences with our moms and it sounded very similar. Um, and so we, we named it the um, Latina cookie cutter mom. I mean, not really, uh, not, not to like put our experiences into, onto everybody else, but just because we, we know that the mother wound is there. So, I mean, maybe we can do an episode on the father wound because I know that um, we also carry a lot of father yeah. wound and it manifests for sure. For sure, definitely. <laughs> and so, a lot of people don't. We don't talk about the father wound. Everyone, you know, we're so focused on our mothers because our mothers were our primary nurturers. You know, they, you know, in, in our lives, and we, so we don't give we don't give that much attention to how our fathers impacted us, but um, they really did. So yeah, I mean, you guys are. I mean, if you ever wanted me to come back on and talk about that we can or yes I definitely to do it with with you with each other absolutely yes. no for sure we'd love to have you back um I think this is so important and also do you know to get a, uh you know a, a, like an actual like trauma coach to come on and talk about it and be able to you know go through this not only the symptoms the signs or but how how it shows up you know so it's so important because um, people don't realize it, you know, and, and, and so I know that um, I, I've heard it like over and over. Oh, well, you're just a therapist of, of you know, th you know, you're supposed to say these things or like, you know, um, you, um, I, nothing is wrong with me. I have to see you because I'm court mandated. Like, I don't really need you, but we, you know, it's, it's so important that you be, like you said, become aware because that's the only that's the only way that you're going to be able to uh, learn to accept that, oh, man, this did happen to me, right? Because it's almost like you're also validating yourself 
Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, most definitely. I think that's the biggest thing is and why the radical acceptance needs yeah. to occur because it, it's accepting who you are, your identity. I, and I think one of the things that I am, I feel most challenged right now is that it doesn't define me, you know, these traumatic mm-hmm. events or the things that were, or were done onto me or even things that I did, you know, intentionally myself, you know, now that I'm aware and forgiving myself um, that it's it also it's not it validates who I am but at the same time it doesn't define and it's not that it Mm -hmm. that I can't make that change now that I'm aware and I want to be intentional of you know being a better person and you know moving forward with my life I really want everyone to understand this that how sometimes we feel so much shame and guilt for things that we've done um but what things that we've done, the way we've acted and reacted and tried to control things um, in order to feel safe, that mm. is a biological, physiological, natural, normal reaction to having experienced trauma in your life. Right. It's normal. You are a normal human being for having these these feelings, these thoughts, these reactions and acting this way, because that's what you, it comes from what you experienced. It shaped your nervous system, your brain. Um, It sensitized you to stressful events, uh, to triggers. It reminds you of things that, that happened that were out of your control when you were a child. Um, And so by reacting the way that you did and acting impulsively or, um, angrily and trying to control other people and needy all those things that we label as being dysfunctional and wrong there's something wrong with that person that's all normal so have so much have compassion for yourself but also for the other people when you start to also have compassion for the other people that you meet and recognize that they maybe um have experienced trauma too and that includes your parents then we really can start making change in the world when we start passing on that love and compassion to other people as well as to ourselves I love that you said that I love it so much because a lot of people when I meet them they're like you always have so much love to give like you're weird like (laughs) I I don't like it like you or it makes them feel uncomfortable but it's like again it's because of that trauma too that they don't know how to accept yeah and it's just it's just it's it's hard it is relationships are hard they're so (laughs) triggering but they're also opportunities for so much healing and growth yes yeah with the right people yeah yes absolutely well i'm i'm so glad we got to (laughs) meet you know virtually (laughs) um i'm so glad for your time and thank you for you know um being here with intention and to meet us to to share this knowledge that's so important that I feel that everybody out there that need, needs to listen. So thank you so much. Thank, yes, you. thank you, thank you guys yeah. so much. Thank you, yeah. thank you again. Okay. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Have a good night. All right. Bye. Good night. Thank good night. you. Bye.